All right, y'all. What's up? What's happening? What it is? This is your man, El Jamal, and you know you are listening to Never Out of Bounds. We're going to do it real big for Friday night. You know we chilling out, maxing out, doing the damn thing. I got a few things that I, I need to talk about, so we're going to get right into it with the world on the street. Now, earlier this week, I talked about Hurricane uh, Florence, and it was gonna uh, talked about it uh, hitting North, North and South Carolina this weekend, and uh, it touched down today, and uh, it hit Wrightsville Beach, which is a few minutes outside of Wilmington, North Carolina, and it hit at 7:15 a.m. Now, winds eventually died down to 90 miles an hour, but this was still enough to destroy homes countless businesses and many people were first forced to evacuate uh, about eight people have already been confirmed dead and millions at, the, at this at about a million over a million people all without power uh, originally i had found out about uh this was about nine ten in the morning uh 510 people were already out of power after the first couple hours of the storm now it's definitely over about over a million now the storm uh lasted pretty long uh the initial storm along the coast and this was because the the storm itself was slow moving not the winds but the actual storm uh the storm moved about six miles an hour and it got a lot of strength from the ocean the ocean was drawing a lot of power for it and uh storm surges uh will uh, likely increase rainfall in a lot of places up to three and a half feet. That's really dangerous, y'all. Flooding, uh, flooding warnings all throughout the states of North and South Carolina, especially along the coast and even some inland areas as well. So, uh, like I said, uh, well, I just found out also the storm will dissipate around Sunday morning, but like I said, it will it will travel all the way as far as about the Appalachian Appalachian mountain range and also the Smoky Mountains, which border North Carolina and Tennessee. So anybody who's from the Southeast, that area listening to my show, uh, prayers up to you, big up. And if you're not from those areas, prayers up anyways, uh, send your prayers out. And uh, let's, you know, this is this happens every year to these areas. Some years are worse than others. Uh, this is one of those years where it might be pretty bad. So let's keep our prayers up. Now, another big uh, piece of news I want to talk about was about your boy, Paul Manaf- uh, Manafort. Uh, he, he, as you guys may or may not know, uh, he was Trump's former campaign manager. And today he pleaded guilty to eight counts of tax and bank fraud, as well as tampering, and a couple other things as well. Now, the plea has nothing to do with Trump or the 2016 election, but in uh, in order uh, for him to, you know, have his plea deal, he now has to cooperate and work with uh, Robert Mueller and the rest of his uh, investigation team, which includes IRS agents and also FBI agents as well. They've already collected all their evidence, uh, pretty much, and they've already uh, searched his home. So they have all they have enough for a case against him, of course. Now, uh, like I said, they will be uh, investigating more to the Russian, pretty much the Russian probe, and uh, Manafort will be their beacon and uh, for those of you who definitely hate trump who are waiting for this guy just to be impeached and be taken out i think this guy is your chance robert moeller uh he's definitely uh been known uh to bring in you know 
cases like this, uh, tax fraud, bank fraud, uh, so on and so forth, lists with high-powered officials. So he's been doing this for a while, and also a lot of the members on his team are known for doing pretty much the same thing. So if you're, you know, I'm not a Trump hater, but I definitely think he's a he's not the greatest president. But for those who definitely hate him, want him out, you know, want him out, want him gone, this is the man you need to be rooting for. Um, it's also been uh, confirmed that Manafort had connections with <clears throat> a man by the name of Oleg Deraspaka, which is an, uh, a, pretty, uh, a wealthy man from Russia who also has ties to Putin and pretty much that would mean the Kremlin as well. And he provided, uh, Deraspaka provided Manafort with information, uh, election information directly. Uh, just like, you know, with all the probes that the Russian did, uh, they pretty much took whatever information they got and gave it strictly to the Republicans. So there's definitely some collusion. And that's what Robert Mueller is attempting to figure out. And uh, there's definitely a connection between Trump and it looks like Manafort as well. And like I said, Mueller knows that and he's going to be seeking that out. So in the next couple of months or next couple of weeks, I will be letting you guys know about what's going on. And as far as Manafort goes in terms of his charges, he will be facing, even with the plea deal, he's still facing five years in a federal prison. All right, y'all. Finally, uh, this is uh, my last little piece for the world on the street, but it's still Russian related. Another Russian fighter jet was spotted off the coast of Alaska by F-22 Air Force pilot. Uh, this happens quite frequently it's happened a, uh, I would say a lot more recently um, I I don't remember in the past few years really hearing about this as much uh, but you know they're I mean uh, they're flying around uh, different ships different aircrafts and uh, it, it looks as though that one one aircraft uh, the f-22 uh, from the Americas, they came across uh, an F-32, uh, or actually an RU-32, uh, which was an, a, a Russian fighter. Now, there was no, of course, there was no combat or no dogfight or anything like that, but they definitely exchanged little warnings to each other, so on and so forth. Now, this, I wanted to highlight this some more because Russia has also been showing its trying to show its teeth a little bit on a political on, on the military scale at least uh they've been held in military practices in vostok which is one of their cities with china and mongolia um and this will be a they started these practices about thursday i believe or sometime uh sometime last week and they were basically uh, uh they're a week-long uh like I said, week-long practices, war, war simulations, stuff like that. Like I said, they uh, it took place with China and Mongolia. Russia showed up with 300,000 soldiers, 36,000 tanks, 80 ships, and 1,000 aircraft. So it looks like they're, you know... It, at least to me, they're showing the world, okay, well, we do have a military force, we do have a solid military force, so on and so forth. And also, uh, they've basically come to terms with China as of recently with a military pact, uh, with a military union. So it looks like on on a global and a political front, China and Russia are becoming uh, allies. And it's not really surprising because China still actually uh, functions with uh, with some type of uh, communist um, inf uh, influence. And 
although Russia isn't communist anymore, it's definitely authoritative, just like the communists. Definitely, you know, no free press, things like that. Strong central government. So they're still pretty much, even without them being allies, they still pretty much have the same uh, views politically. So uh, with those three things right there, and including you know their their collusion let's be honest russia colluded with our election process in 2016 and just with them maintaining or developing this military alliance with china and just showing off their military and just still being around in our vicinity again this has been the second or third time or at least the second time this year that i've reported on a story about a russian uh, a russian aircraft finding its way into american jurisdiction so uh <laughs> i don't know you know if it smells like fish it swims like a fish it's a fish if it you know walks like a duck quacks like a duck it's a duck i don't think they fuck with us that's just my opinion you know they might mess with trump that might be it but if I don't think they like us like that. But anyways, y'all, I'm going to take my first quick break and we uh, we will be right back. And I wanted to discuss some Serena Williams and what she did at the U.S. Open. I wanted to uh, look at everything and uh, listen, to, hear some stories out. And I wanted to put uh, put my two cents, uh, my two cents in. So I'll be right back, y'all. All right, ladies and gents, let's get right back into it. And uh, last week. Uh, we all know about Serena and uh, what happened at the U.S. Open, and uh, you know she had her little, you know her little—I'm gonna call it a hissy fit. She had her hissy fit, and uh, certain people felt a certain way about it. Certain people wanted to give her a pass. Um, you know, I think the most important to take away from it, and you know, I know, you know. All the memes aside, all the comparisons to other male athletes aside, I think the big important thing that we're missing is Naomi Osaka won the U.S. Open. I think that's the biggest point that we keep uh, forgetting. Uh, she wants well, she wanted two sets, six two, six to four, which means she played pretty damn well. I saw the match myself. I had to watch it. I watched it recently. I actually watched it earlier today just to kind of get a vibe of what was going on and just to see what's going on. And, you know, like I said, this is the biggest important thing. Now, she's also the first Japanese woman to ever win a U.S. Open, you know. So these are these are all good things. Now, of course, she's mixed. We can all tell. We She can't hide the melanin or that curly hair now. Now, I know she's mixed. I know she got some black in her, but okay. You can be Japanese. Hey, that's all right. That's all right, sister. And take your history. Take your take your upset of one of the top female players. And that's another thing. We're not talking about what she accomplished. She beat pretty much the best women's player out there. And this is pretty much her first, you know, was her first go around at it almost, you know, and you know, we need to be talking about the positivity. We've been we focus so much on somebody's behavior. We wanted to focus so much on Serena's behavior, whether it was right or whether it was wrong. And we forgot about the winner. Let's not forget about what history history is written by the winners, not the loser who wanted to act up. Now, 
Y'all can say what you want. And like I said, I saw the match. Now I don't know if you guys are into into the actual sports. Of course you like the you like the athletes, especially athletes that are, they want to be social and all that. But do you actually watch the sport though? Do you actually know if the people are actually good that you're watching? Now, okay. From what I saw in this match, Osaka was taking it to your girl. Okay? She was she was she was going back and forth serve for serve. You know, Serena, you know, you could tell she was, she, uh, she has, you know, her, her veteran, uh, veteran status. Um, but if you're winning in sets, in sets, in, in, uh, in tennis now, if you're winning set six to two, six to four, in two sets, you did a pretty damn good job. I'm sorry. They didn't go to three, didn't go to other sets. No, it was, she was, she beat Serena in two sets and pretty damn convincingly in my opinion. I think that's where the attitude came from. Honestly. Now, I don't know if it was age. I don't know if it was baby. I don't know if, you know, she just wasn't there. You know, she, you know, she's, you know, all involved in the queen goddesses of all sports. And maybe she just let one go. Maybe Serena just let one go. And, you know, you can't win them all. That's okay. But, I, you know, her, her, her melt, her meltdown, it's, it's. It's a part of sports, I guess. Is is everybody does it, you know? Um, John McEnroe did it. That was and see, this is the funny thing about, you know, this is what I've been hearing. You know, a lot of the comparisons that I've been hearing have been the John McEnroe comparisons. Of course, I'll see a little snippet of a video where they're where they're showing a montage of him and Roger Federer slamming down uh, hockey. I'm sorry, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, slamming down the tennis racket, so on and so forth. Okay, yes, John McEnroe did something has done has done that many times. Roger Federer. Uh, probably Djokovic, uh, another top male player that you guys probably not have heard of, probably haven't heard of, maybe haven't. Uh, he's done it a couple times too. I'm pretty sure they have. I've I've watched plenty of, and I'm not a, a tennis fan, but if it's on the TV, I'll I'll check it out from time to time. And I've seen that before. No, you're right. This this behavior is not is not new. And because it's not new. It's not like she deserves a pass just because she happens to be a girl. Am I a fan of the caricature that that dude made with her, you know, basically, you know, looking like an animal that, you know, this, that, and the other? No, I wasn't a fan of that depiction. But did she act like a child? Yes. Did she take that game too serious? Yes. Was she getting her ass handed to her? Yes. Uh, Serena had three code violations. Y'all don't understand the sport of, of of tennis, so I don't think you guys truly understand, you know, what they're talking about. So sure, you're gonna sure Serena's gonna say, "Oh, you're cheating," because she's losing. Of course, she's gonna complain. That's always what happens when somebody gets caught up or they're losing something. Remember back in the day when your little brother, your little cousin, or your friend would come over and y'all play video, and they would start beating your ass. It will make you mad. You wouldn't want to play no more. That's basically how she will. I don't even want to play no more. I don't want to play so much. I'm getting my ass beat so much that I'm going to just stop the game because of my behavior. That's basically what she was doing. And and this is the and this is the and this is why I don't want to hear the Roger Federer comments. I don't want to hear the the John McEnroe comparisons. 
Um, and for those of you who don't know, John McEnroe uh, was a was a top uh, in his in his era. He was one of the top male tennis players in the world. Uh, you know, but he would he would uh, he would have emotional breakdowns. Things wouldn't be going his way. He'd complain. He'd stomp his feet, so on and so forth. He'd act like a child, shivering child. He'd start yelling, start cursing, start knocking stuff over. All types of shit. But guess what? You can say what you want. And you could try to compare Venus to uh, Serena's situation to him and say, well, they don't stop it. Because at the end of the day, and we can we can talk about this, because history is, is written by the winner. Now, of course, male tennis and, and, and female tennis, you know, people will have the, the uh, feelings about how they feel about how, you know, one of them ranks in terms of, you know, who's much better than the other. But in terms of winning, in terms of being accomplished, we all know that regardless of whether it was a male or female level, that Serena has accomplished way more than John McEnroe. Period. With that being said, despite this moment in her career, for the most part, they will know Serena for just winning. Sure, this might be brought up maybe once or twice. Sure, you know, because of the era that we're in, the social justice warrior. I mean, I gotta I gotta fight every time I feel something or I gotta I gotta say something. I gotta make a statement. Everybody has to, you know, like me and all of this. This is the generation that we live in and fine. You know, there's gonna be a lot of a lot of people on the left side, on the on the conservative side, saying all they wanna say. Okay. Well she doesn't have the right to to you know, to be talked to like that. She doesn't have... Look, at the end of the day, we will know Serena for being the accomplished player, tennis player that she is. Sure, this this uh, situation, especially for now, like I said, because of, you know, just the liberal mindset that's going on right now and the, and the, out, and the outright, in my opinion, you know, White men used to get away with this all the time. You know, they used to get away with a lot of stuff. The media wouldn't, you know, cover a lot of stuff. Uh, the media would let a lot of stuff go. And I think it's it's happening now in a modern era to special interest groups. It's like almost like now, well, yeah, well, white men got away with it. So we should be allowed to do it and get away with it, too. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. John McEnroe will forever be known. Sure, they might talk about what he accomplished as a player. Sure, they might talk about, you know, his little grand slams, whatever he, he, he won. See, but I couldn't even tell you what he won. That just goes to show you. See, as, as and I come, and I'm as casual as a tennis fan as they come. I'm, I, I'm only talking about the U.S. Open because of, this, of, of, of the situation and also to bring light to the winner, which was Naomi Osaka, and to talk about this situation. I don't normally talk about tennis. Tennis is not mine, so I'm a noob. But what I do know from, you know, just popular culture, from even tennis culture, I know about John McEnroe. And what I know about John McEnroe has nothing to do with him as a player. And that's how history, tennis history, and regular history, even pop culture, will remember the man. Serena, despite the situation, and I know... You know, people want to make this a big thing and make this like, oh, my God, this this we are the world effort to protect her. I get it. She's a top female athlete, but she's not perfect. And she got her ass whooped last week.
by a young, hungry, up-and-coming queen. I, I want to lift these names up. They're all queens, but let's lift them all up. Let's talk about the winner. We should have been talking about the winner. We should have been hyping the winner up. I don't give a damn about what the loser's attitude is about losing. Take it and you ain't. That's how we do it. We take L's. I thought I thought her I thought the whole and, and this is the thing I'm I'm watching it in real I'm watching it not necessarily in real time but of course I'm watching the match and I'm and I'm watching Serena constantly stop the match complain and all that and the, and the crowd's booing because they don't want to hear that shit they want to see they they know what's going on see if you know the sport if you knew the sport you would know and the little bit that I know about the sport I'm watching it I know that Osaka's beating her pretty damn good you know so it's hard you know and don't get me wrong you know like i said i I was not down with the comic that i saw you know with her depicted almost like an ape i wasn't down with that i'm not with that i'm not with depicting black women as animals and making fun of it per se but i mean Shit, it's the, it's it is the same as 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 what John McEnroe would do. You're right. So she, in my opinion, because she's doing exactly the same, she deserves the exact same shit to be talked about her. You're not different. Yes, men do it all the time, and we talk shit about those men all the time. It's funny. It's funny how people can can talk all all day about how LeBron flopped, how LeBron, LeBron had his attitude, he carries an attitude on the court, but somehow Serena gets a pass because of what she's a female? No, look, this is not how we do this shit. This is equal opportunity. You a fuck up as a girl, you're a fuck up as a guy, people are going to talk about you. If you're a fat guy, you can't put the fork down. You're a fat girl, you can't put the fork, they're going to talk shit about you. That's just how it is. You're a funky-ass dude. You're a funky-ass girl. You come into your job. You come into your classroom. People will talk about you. Sorry. Sorry. That's how this shit is. Ain't no, don't nobody get a pass. This ain't no pass. She acted just... She, you're right. She acted just as crazy, just as immature as McEnroe, just as my Roger Federer would have. This is a part of what they do. She took it a little bit too far this time. Okay. That's all. I think I think I think anybody jumping jumping, you know, to her defense, I think you're wrong. And I think to 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 bash her and to just kinda, you know, I and I think and I and I, to be honest, I don't really think anybody aside, aside from the offensive comic that I did see, I don't really see anybody really, you know, Digging into her like that and really being this, but more so, uh, I did hear like a rival tennis player. Um, I forget her. I forgot her name. Um, but a rival women's tennis player that's played Serena and Osaka uh, called it for what it is bullshit. Like she, you know, she got in trouble. She, you know, did her, you know, broke whatever rules uh, that she wasn't supposed to do, and she acted up. You know, and 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 uh, the. And her, you know, her rival basically said all this hoopla about it, all this media hype job about it, it's bullshit. You know, this is something that happens every day in tennis. This is something that people do. You know, people argue, people argue with the judge, people, you know, they go off. You don't get a pass. You don't get a special pass. And I think that's the, and I think we need to, we need to check that because when we don't check that and we allow that behavior to happen and we defend it, 
we encourage other people to do so. We encourage other women to think they can just sit there and yell at whoever, whomever they want to to get what they want. And that's not how this world works. Sorry. And I got nothing for you. Because if you give me that, that, that type of attitude, I'm going to give you attitude. Like, fuck you. And I'm not going to fuck with you. Lucky I wasn't a motherfucker. I wasn't a ju- I would have said, get off my court. You're disrespecting me. Don't ever come at me like that. Get off my court. I would have really had her fucked up. But before I end this segment, for one last time, I wanted to highlight the winner because history will be winning by the winners. So before I leave, before I, we know we, we, we you know take my break, I want you guys to remember the name. Naomi Osaka. She pulled off a grand upset in one, one of her first major titles. She's one of the first Japanese women to do so. Respect it. Honor that. Fuck the losers. For today, let's talk about the winners. And I'll take one last break, y'all. And we come back, we're going to highlight the big fight coming on tomorrow. Canelo versus Triple G, y'all. Big time middleweight action championship. Let's get it. I'll be right back. All right, ladies and gents. You know what time it is. We're going to wrap this up for tonight. And tomorrow is the big fight night. Canelo Alvarez and uh, Gennady Triple G Golovkin. This is the rematch. It's going to be on about 8 o'clock Eastern Time, 5 o'clock here on the West Coast. And uh, we got a lot up for grabs tomorrow night. The WBA Super uh, Belt, the WBC Belt, and the WBO Middleweight title. And just in case you don't know, uh, middleweight is the is a 160-pound uh, weight limit. Now, also, the Lineal Championship as well as the Ring Magazine Championship belt is on the line as well now uh, there are three uh, I would say three bodies governing bodies in uh, boxing you got the WBA which is the World Boxing Organization WBC like I've mentioned before which is the World Boxing Council and the WBO which is the World Boxing Organization they all have their own belt the lineal champ is basically uh, just the the champion of all the champs. He might not have all the sanctioned and body belts, meaning the WBA, WBC, but uh, he he is the man to beat within that division. So that title is up for grabs. And the Ring Magazine is pretty much the four. Uh, the Ring Magazine is pretty much the forefront of anything boxing related. Um, any it's been around at least for I'd say 50, 60 years, something like that you know, detail, uh, all, you know, they detail all the boxers, uh, all rankings and stuff like that. So they're pretty much the source of anything boxing related. And they also had their title as well. So that will be up tomorrow as well too. Now Canelo has been suspended. He's coming back from the six month suspension, uh, for PE, uh, PED use. Uh, there was an issue, uh, they caught him, well, they caught a uh, chemical in his in his system called uh, tribunal. I'm sorry if I pro- uh, mispronounced that, but it is a performance enhancing drug. Uh, I've heard about a lot of athletes eating meat in Mexico and then subsequently testing positive for uh, some no- unknown uh, either steroid or perf- other performance enhancing drug. It happened to a couple Raiders before in the past when they had their game in Mexico versus the Patriots. So this is not new. I don't know if 
Canelo was doping per se or if he was just a victim of bad meat. I don't know, but he was suspended for six months. Now, G, uh, Triple G's last fight uh, was a few months ago, and it was a second-round KO of Vanis Mantarosin. Pretty qu quick fight, like I said, second-round KO. So, you know... Both of these guys haven't really been in the ring a whole lot since their last fight when they uh, fought each other last year. And, uh, of course, Triple G won that fight via split decision. I thought that was – well, actually, actually, the fight went to a draw. I personally thought um, Canelo won the fight. Uh, I thought he did enough, in my opinion, to – well, actually, I'm sorry. Triple G uh, won via split decision. I personally had, uh, you know, I could see where it could have been a draw. I personally liked Canelo's skills. I think he's a much, I think, you know, he's a much better version of Oscar De La Hoya, honestly. Uh, he has the same textbook type defensive style. They jab pretty well. I just think he has better footwork and he has a better jab. And I thought he did a lot to beat uh Triple G the first fight, he moved around pretty defensively, he made Triple G miss a lot, you know, I think it happens again, Triple G looks a little bit drained for this fight, he doesn't look as big as he normally does, I don't know, but uh, Triple G, of course, as as you may or may not know, he is undefeated, he is standing at 38-0 with 34 knockouts, Canelo, his only loss being to Triple G, he is at 49-1 and with 34 KO, so this is going to be an interesting, interesting matchup, and it will be probably one of the better fights in this division in the past few so of uh, four or five years. Now, as far as the undercard goes, we got a, we got three matches uh, coming up: one in the junior uh, middleweight division, one in the bantamweight division. The first fight fight is going to be Jaime uh, Jaime Mungia from Mexico, uh, really uh, solid young uh, champion. He's currently the WBO junior middleweight champion. That's the 154 pound class. He'll be going up against Canada's own Brandon Cook, who's at 20 and uh, 21, and also. Uh, Jaime is undefeated as actually he's undefeated. He's at 30 and 0 with 25 KOs. I like Mungia in this fight. He's definitely on the rise. Somebody, if you haven't looked out, if you haven't seen him yet, I say this is an opportunity. If you're in the boxing, at least to give a give a look at him. Uh, your next fight is going to be another with another Canadian uh, hometown guy, David Lemieux, uh, who my who my dad says is a is an old school guy. I think he he uh, he joked around. He likes to say he came out of the out of the time capsule because he looks like somebody from the 1930s and he boxes like him too. He's going to be going up against, against Gary uh, Spike O'Sullivan from uh, Cork, Ireland. He's a uh, He's a he's an interesting guy as well. He also has one of those handlebar mustaches and just looks like one of those old school nineteen twenties nineteen thirties boxers that just go go straight up at you. When they used to call it pugilists and not boxing, they look they both look like pugilists as opposed to boxers. You gotta look to look at those guys. Check them out. They are something to look at. Um, David Lemieux has a pretty decent record. He's thirty nine and four. Uh, he's he's recently fought Triple G about a couple years ago. He ended up losing that fight. But he has some decent power. He's 39-4. Like I said, he has 33 KOs. As far as Sullivan goes, he also has a very decent record. 28-2 and two with 20 knockouts. I haven't seen so much of him, um, and I don't really have a favorite in this fight. But I do know from what I have seen, I have seen Lemieux, and I have seen his power. So uh, in a fight like this, I might go with Lemieux. And finally, we got Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. 
he was a he was the guy to beat up until about a year ago. Uh, he's currently sitting at forty six and two with thirty eight KOs, and he has two straight losses to the same guy, with Sakasio Wangek, and he's from Thailand. His last fight was a four round KO to the same guy. He lost his title, his WBC uh, flyweight title, actually his uh, junior bantamweight title. Like I said, he was the man to beat in that uh one hundred fifty. 15 pound range and uh Wasa Kesa, you know like I said beat him the first time in a majority season decision knocked him out the second time he's trying to find his way back he'll be fighting Moises uh yes Moises Fuentes uh he's 25 and 5 he's uh from uh the Philippines and uh he is making his debut at junior bantamweight he's actually a title holder at in the flyweight division which I believe is about 112 or one of one ten something like that. So he's a pretty solid fighter as well. I I like Roman getting his stuff together. Of course, I'm not you know I'm not saying that Puentes isn't you know isn't gonna carry his you know his weight or isn't a good fighter. But I think this is a type of tuna fight for Gonzalez. I think he you know gets his name somewhat back into the rankings. Maybe he has some excitement. You know, maybe he, you know, I'm just hoping he gets his career back on track because he was the hottest thing up until about, like I said, up until he met Wessa Kaso and got KO'd in round four. He was, the, well, until that first loss by decision. And then if you ever looked at that first loss that he had, he was all beat up. He looked like a, a defeated man, and he really did. So hopefully he he uh, takes a turnaround. Again, like I said, for the big big time fight, I'm gonna have to go with Canelo. From what I saw in the last fight, Canelo just improved so so many different ways. He moved around a lot more. Head movement was there. He he made Triple G miss more than I ever seen Triple G miss. I don't see that he gets. I don't see how he slows down. Triple G is a little bit old, older, a little bit slower. Of course, he hits hard, you know, but. I like Canelo, y'all. I'm going to have to go with him again. I'm going to have to roll with him again. All right, y'all. So we're going to wrap this up for tonight. I will be back tomorrow to cover the fight. We're going to go over the results of it and everything. Also, the undercard as well. And we're also going to go over some college football and some baseball as well, too. So y'all have a good night. You know it's been good. This is El Jamal, your host. And this is Never Out of Bounds. Remember, this is the place where your Second Amendment is protected, protected as long as you got their facts. All right, y'all. Peace out. Have a good one.